I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode, I got to have my friends from Mind Pump Media on the show. Uh, this is kind of a special episode. You'll notice I am releasing, I'm going to take a shot at releasing a couple episodes a week and uh, see how that goes. So today is Wednesday that we are releasing this. Um, this is a dual episode where I went to meet up with the guys from Mind Pump at their absolutely phenomenal space in San Jose, California. And we recorded, it was like an hour and a half almost of uh, just absolutely absurd and informative and uh, all over the place conversation. So hope you guys absolutely enjoy it. We get into psychology around movement. We get into a, I don't think I've mentioned this in the podcast at all, but kind of a personal story about um, me having a run-in with some Mexican mafioso cartel situations um, and uh, all sorts of stuff. Really, really fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoy this. Oh shit! All of a sudden, I wake up at like seven in the morning. I hear sheriff's department, and I'm, oh, like, I'm like, "Oh, I'm dreaming. No big deal." And I look around, and there's just like this full-on line of stormtroopers wrapping around the house. Helicopter. Boom, 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 boom. Thank you so much for tuning into the website aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you'll find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement, and um, you will get yourself ten percent off on four sigmatic products. I have a uh, I had mentioned if you guys leave reviews for us um, and we read it on the show we'll send you up a box of four sigmatic mushrooms so we got Jenny Wren uh, she left a review saying I'm not the warm and fuzzy type but I would like to thank Aaron for bringing such smart and amazing people into my ears Aaron your questions are always thought-provoking and you're not afraid of going deep in the subject bravo um, thanks so much for that Jenny appreciate it and um, yeah, hit me up and we'll get you out a box of some type of magical mushroom of your choice. Um, it would be cordyceps or lion's mane or whatever, reishi, whatever you're into. So highly recommend checking out Four Sigmatic. Get yourself tea, coffee, or just straight mushroom blends. Tim Ferriss, all the, all the great peeps are, are getting down them. I utilize this product on a regular basis, uh, as in like multiple times a day. So uh, yeah, check it out and enjoy. Uh, foursigmatic.com slash align for 10% off. F-O-U-R sigmatic.com slash align 10% off on that purchase uh, I have a quote coming to you from uh, this is Victor Frankel man's search for meaning one of my absolute favorite books in the world and uh, it goes like this live as if you were living a second time and as though you had acted wrongly the first time I think it is such an amazing tool that you can tinker with of imagining you're 20 years older than you presently are and looking back and giving yourself advice for how to live a better life. So kind of just like almost like giving yourself a second chance is kind of the way that I look at it with that and uh, giving yourself a second chance, right? Right. Meow. Um, I think that is a relevant thing to dig into. 
and uh, I think I think we're getting close to close to all the things. Um, thanks so much for obviously reviews on iTunes. If we read your review, we'll send you out some mushrooms. Hope you enjoy. And thank you so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page on aligntherapy.com. Uh, that is a big part of supporting this show helps us buy recording equipment and uh, just helps us promote it and get it out there thank you for telling your friends spreading this that is how this show is spread by you telling others so uh, thank you so much for doing that if you find it valuable thanks in advance for for spreading around Um, I think that's what we got enjoy and um, you can be sure to check out mind pump the podcast that uh, they'll be playing this episode over there as well and um, yeah their their podcast is amazing they have like I don't know something like a bajillion followers checking that thing out and uh, it's for a reason it's really really good quality this the the, the guys are incredible and uh, the guys, by the way, are Justin Andrews, Adam Schaefer, and Sal DiStefano. And uh, all, those, all of them are elite level trainers. They have um, pretty impeccable programs over there and a lot of value to provide. So, uh, yeah, that's what we got. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you absolutely enjoy this. And um, as I already mentioned, this is just a discussion. This isn't any, I'm not interviewing anybody on this. So, uh, if I get any flack for talking too much, which I have for good reason, um, it's because they're 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 uh, kind of sort of interviewing me in a way, but we're like interviewing each other, I think. So that's the dealio. This is just a conversation. Hope you enjoy. Peace out. Align podcast. You spent the night with Doug. And you we just spe- found that out. Yeah, you spent so, over Doug's house. Uh, who's the, who was the big spoon? I'm always <laughs> little spoon. Oh, you're always I'm little always spoon. Little wow, spoon. you're a big yeah. guy. That's generous. I like dichotomy. That's generous. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, Doug, he's so fucking. Doug, that must have been different for you. That's yeah. not a usual, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a treat that was, I bet, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I talked to you last night. Uh, very, very intelligent guy. Um, so at first, you'd be like, oh, this guy, school must have been easy for him. But then I realized you literally can't sit still. Like you literally cannot sit still. Mm. How was it for you when you were a kid? Yeah. Were you just rambunctious? Yeah. I. So that's kind of the whole thing is I, I feel like there's an inherent dysfunction in the school system. I think that we're told that you have ADHD or whatever. So I was like totally hyperactive throughout school. Yeah. Cause your generation is when that really turned up. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Did yeah. they try to put you on like uh, medication or anything? No, no, they didn't really. I don't think I, I don't think I was really like a can. I was just like, okay, whatever. It was mm-hmm. like, move on mm-hmm. with life. Okay. I'm hyperactive. That's fine. You know, but I think that that's, we, we tend to do that in general. We try to put ourselves into different boxes and you see that with like insurance companies and such. We need to give everyone a title of where they fall as opposed to just having more of like a fluid spectrum, mm. you know? And so, yeah, I've, I take having energy as a gift. I'm like, yeah, let's do Were that. Were you a good student? Not really. really? I mean, I got B's. Oh, I don't. Th- I think that's good. Yeah, I don't, yeah, that's it's above you don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I progressively digressed throughout school, and I think it was a product of like probably discovering psychedelics and like other aspects of. Oh, you discovered that early. Oh man, how yeah. early? 
probably 15 or so. Oh, shit. shit. Wow. Yeah. That's early. That's early. <laughs> yeah, I was scared of shit like that at 15. That stuff. Don't you? Oh, I forget. You guys didn't have this, right? You're So we, did you guys have D.A.R.E. come around to school and stuff Absol- like that? Absolutely. Okay, so you yeah. did. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I have, I, as a kid, you know, uh, psychedelics, yeah. LSD, Reagan and ruined me. those things, I mean, I have images of, st- I still have memories of watching the video that the, the cop would bring into the classroom uh-huh. of like people jumping off buildings because they took <laughs> yeah. LSD yeah. and like trying to stop the trains. Dog, like, McGraw. Oh yeah. Like, I was scared to death of oh, anything yeah. like that. That's yeah. crazy to yeah. me. So, so how did, how did that happen at 15 years old? You got to tell me. Um, you know, I think it's just your product and your environment. And so the environment that I happened to, to fall into was one of people that were kind of curious about pushing boundaries, whatever mm. that was. So we got into like vandalism and we got into all sorts of just anything that could get us to oh, like, you were a little punk. I was a, I was a punk bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, was a, I was, punk, I was a dude. punk bitch. Any, in jail? <laughs> you ever get, did you get arrested? I, uh, well, this is a random story. I don't know if I know you guys well enough for this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> oh, it's where we, I, we're going now, bro. <laughs> see, you know, see yeah, how so this happens. There was actually about four years ago that I was only cause you, you mentioned, so it's an interesting way to go. But four years ago I was at this house and and it was a br- my brother's friend. I was on this rock climbing trip. I was heading to Canada. I was staying at this house for two days. Mm-hmm. And during that time frame, they were growing some weed, medicinal pot, whatever. Like, totally legit. On that property of 700 acres, there was Mexican mafia cartel growing like something like 7,000 plants. Oh, wow. wow. And it was on the fringes of the thing. And so I'm like, I got my climbing rope and I'm in my little hammock, bivy thing in the front yard, like ready to go on my climbing trip, you know, like leaving today. Oh, shit. All of a sudden I wake up at like seven in the morning. I hear sheriff's department. And I'm, oh, like, I'm like, oh, I'm dreaming. No big deal. And I look around and there's just like this full on line of stormtroopers wrapping around the house. Helicopter from coming, coming oh, home. Wow. And you're so, 15? How old are you right here? No, no, this was no, four this years is, ago. Yeah, so this oh, is, oh yeah, God, I thought yeah. you were still 15 no, years no, old. This I'm is, like, this is, yeah. shit, my, shit my pants right, right now. Yeah. Swallow all the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> so I got the exceptional experience. I think it's, I'm just nothing but grateful for the whole thing. I get the exceptional experience of being put, essentially treated like like Mexican cartel mm. for a Wait a minute, of a week. hold on a second. So they actually took you in? Oh, they were assholes. They were not cool. Really? Yeah, so they handcuffed okay. you, brought you in, questioned the fuck out of you? The whole thing. And you said for a week? It could have been longer. It could have been up to three months if I couldn't get like phone a friend kind of thing. Eventually I could phone a friend. Hold on a second. You were, were you locked up for a week because I was, of this? I was locked up. Holy shit. That's crazy. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. How Now, now hold on a second. Now, how crazy is that, that they actually can do that and they lock you up and, uh, yep. And they can hold you in a cell and, uh, unless a judge tells them to let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, even now people don't realize this. I think uh, if it wasn't the Patriot Act, it was NDAA now allows them to do that indefinitely. So if they if they label oh, you, good. yeah. So if they label you a terrorist or whatever, if they say, "Oh, this person," which is up to their discretion, right? Yeah. They can literally lock you up forever and never yeah. tell anybody. Well, that's isn't that crazy? That's, that's like the learn. man in the iron mask. Yeah, the, the whole the f- premise. Yeah, the feeling of of it's essentially if. If, if they, the man, whatever, we went to a Pink Floyd concert last night. So <laughs> <laughs> Tear the walls down. Yeah, you're welcome, bro. How do you like right. that? Show up. You think He's you're going to go to dinner? We're like, no, fuck you, bro. Yeah. I'm going to take you Pink Floyd right now. <laughs> Tell me, that's like one of the best, that's top five concerts of all the concerts I've seen. That I mean, what a epic. fucking show, dude. I was so yeah, positive was we were going to a karaoke thing. And you guys <laughs> like, yeah, eat the chocolate thing, whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, we're just going to karaoke. Total beer pressure. I just I don't met really. you guys. <laughs> what the hell are we going? <laughs> 
No, it was literally so Pink was, Floyd. It was literally Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah that was. I didn't yeah. realize. And I literally didn't realize that we were going to a Pink Floyd concert until we were at the Pink Floyd concert. It's great, right? That, <laughs> Actually, it was perfect because so we have the box, right? The box seats or whatever. Adam's got a hook up there, and uh, we're up there and stuff, and. You know, um, Aaron is doing his uh, mobility stuff on the floor, which at another concert would have been really, would have probably freaked people out. Like, they would be like, hey, what <laughs> yeah, the fuck, no, man? That, what are you doing was... on the floor? But it's Pink Floyd, so nobody says shit <laughs> in the box. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's, totally, that's what I <laughs> totally do sometimes normal. at Pink Floyd. I was, <laughs> I was super confident people were thinking I was having a bad trip. They're just like, let him go. Do you want some water, man? Yeah, cool. right. I'm like, no, I had five milligrams of a weed. I'm yeah. fine. You were, you, were, you, were literally, you were just doing your mobility <laughs> stuff, but it totally was, worked. Yeah. It totally worked there, barefoot and everything. <laughs> okay, so you're okay. So you're locked up. Locked up. Yeah. Okay. How long? How long? Seven until? seven days, max security in C Pod. It was like forty other inmates. The guy beside me. Dude, he had what like, was that like? It wasn't that bad, dude. It feels like it feels like oh, adult, really? adult like summer camp. You know, it's like <laughs> oh, so the dudes were cool. Like, the dudes were cool with you. And the dudes there? were super cool. It's super. It was like weird. Like I had I didn't I as soon well, as you, I walked in. You I didn't mean, think were like, you, oh, were you locked up with the same group? Or are you locked? Yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, it's yeah, just, yeah. Okay, so. no, not the same group of people that I was with. Okay, yeah, yeah that's what I mean. no, no, no. It was they bailed themselves out. Those assholes. I they didn't really know me that well. I was just random like oh shut the fuck up. And so like screw that. So the drug cartel, the drug lord comes and sees you. Like, by yeah, proximity, he is uh, mine. He's yeah. mine. He's with me. Yeah, he's with me. He's this with me. one. Uh, we don't know who the that white one is. guy. No, <laughs> it wasn't. I wasn't with drug lords. I was with upstanding, borderline upstanding citizens. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, they just didn't give a shit about me. That was the only problem. So, okay. so yeah. you're in there for a week, and it wasn't that bad. Like it was, the people it was were cool. totally, It was totally chill. The thing. So the reason that it was bad was two reasons. One, the feeling that. Oh, I'm not allowed to leave here. That's a real bummer, you know. And, and so that's. And then the other one was. We the, take that for granted, don't we? Woo. Our freedom. Well, it's two different worlds. It's mm-hmm. two different cultures. The, the you know the, the culture. Not that I'm any expert because I spent a week in freaking mm-hmm. you know jail. You know, I'm, but, he, some but I'm glad you his, prefaced with his, that. That's yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah. His book on jail will be out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the longest oh, seven days. Oh god. Yeah. Hard times. Yeah. <laughs> All seven days. No. Squeeze them cheeks. No, I was just in full. <laughs> I was in full observation observation mode the whole time. But the fear was if they, you know, the Pink Floyd, the man, they can like get you via the documents or whatever. They don't give a shit about you. You know, it's not about justice. It's not. It's like this is a financial system. You're entering into our business. Mm. Right. And so by entering, being on the wrong end of that business, it's a really, really scary, uncomfortable feeling. Right. Because they make they don't make it fucking easy. That's for sure. And getting out that it's not a rehabilitation center. It's it's just a business. Right. Mm-hmm. It's Get you collecting in the system. people and now you're Well, in it's not designed to work. It's designed to lock people away. Yeah. So if if you I mean and it's a it's an old Puritan model, in fact. This was a model that was brought to the US where it was penance, it was punishment. So when you went to your and we still have that belief where you go to jail and we punish the hell out of you. And I understand that there's a certain element of that, but if if you're looking objectively, a big part of jail should be because at some point they're going to get out, right? At some point yeah. they're going to be out hanging out with us again, yeah. and so we have to consider maybe we should spend time making that more successful, potential more successful th- for them. Otherwise, you get this revolving door, which is exactly what happens. Yeah. I mean, all, all of us are here because we have options to be here. If at any point, you know, shit got real and it was like, oh, mind pump doesn't exist anymore. Personal training, education. I came from a different background. 
you do something else, whatever mm. that, whatever would manifest, you know? And so it's like, we need to look at the environment. It's not about bad apples. It's about bad barrels, you know? And so looking at like, who the hell is making these barrels is a uh, thought. Yeah. And you and really want to look at, I mean, a lot of the t- the policies that we have uh, don't make a lot of sense until you consider what they're really designed for. So like you got thrown into a, a prison cell for seven days because you maybe were dealing uh, with marijuana um, and or if you were, you'd be in there probably for 30 or 40 years. And you think to yourself, you know, it's a, you know, okay. I, mean, I know all the pot advocates are like, I never killed anybody and all that stuff. And this is true. It's, it's never done any of that stuff, but he would get less time if you were caught molesting a child or causing a violent, you know, doing something violent. Like you get less time for that than you would getting caught hmm. with a bunch of illegal plants. Hmm. And it just doesn't, it just sounds insane. It sounds absolutely yeah. crazy until you understand the reason why they lock you up for such a long time and why these policies were put in place to begin with. And at one point, uh, you know, there was a counterculture that was considered a major threat to the system, a major threat to uh, the government. And they, like any, like they, like they're designed to do, they assess a threat and they figure out the best ways to neutralize that threat. And one of the most effective things they they did was make the substances that that counterculture used highly illegal, so they can now lock people in jail and not infringe on their freedom of speech. Hmm. And so you've still got the system in place. It's now it's like this big machine that's almost impossible to reverse. And, and you were, you got a great experience of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> firsthand. Yeah. yeah. Firsthand. So. That's, that's why it's called marijuana yeah. <laughs> instead of cannabis. That's true. They wanted to make it sound. It's the bad, scary, dirty Mexicans that mm-hmm. are shifted in here. That's actually. So did you, was it this experience that made you realize that? Or did you kind of already go into it knowing that and feeling uh, this way already? Knowing that I disagree with the way our, our, our uh, correctional facility systems. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I, after that and during that knew it viscerally, you know? And so I got the whole thing of like, it's amazing how you feel when, when you, so I got like literally, I mean, it was, it was tremendous. I got like the stripes, the orange and white stripes, I think I'm mm. not actually, I don't remember what, what, maybe it was black and white anyways. Well, I know and the cartoons sh- is black and white. Yeah. Okay. So it's black <laughs> and white. the cartoons. Yeah. yeah. They put the, the rapist people, the people that like you, that you wanted to keep separate cause they'll get beat up. They put them, I think in orange, orange getups. And it was like, so they actually, separate. they actually, they actually labeled them <laughs> yeah. in prison. Yeah. No, seriously. If you want to beat someone up target <laughs> no so that apparently like the rules and whatever this is what i've gathered from my seven day experience but i believe the rules are essentially like if you do rape somebody and you're in jail you're probably going to get beat up mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so they're like we just got to keep them out like yeah. it's not good which that's interesting there's yeah. some degree of you know isn't that funny though the, the, yeah, the rules the, well it's, what's, it's interesting to me is morality it's very interesting in, in certain situations they create their own kind of rules and and moralities and uh, in prison, like almost anything is okay except for that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. You do that kind Pedophilia of stuff. Pedophilia and all that. Yeah, yeah they're going to kill you. Exactly. <laughs> very, very interesting. So, I was listening to a podcast recently and they were talking about the implicit bias of police slash anybody towards different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had like a, they did like a test where they took people. And uh, they, they would set up different categories. So it would be like, you know, peanut butter goes well with 
jelly, you know, or paper goes well with pen, but paper wouldn't go so well with brick. And there's kind of this like resistance or time that it would take for you to make that connection. They did that with uh, black people mm. versus like bad or versus crime or versus violence or rape or whatever. And they did that with white people. And it was they could show that there was there was a degree of there was like it took longer to make the connection with white people mm -hmm. that something bad happens. And it was quite quick with black. So, people. you know, what's interesting about that. So I read that study. And uh, so that can be a. That can be a conclusion of the results of that study, but there's also the possible potential conclusion that a police officer, especially today, feels lots of, um, almost like, uh, once you say that, like, black people, crime, police officers today may feel like, oh shit, politically, you know, I gotta be careful what I say, and that... <laughs> actually slows down the process and can cause what may look like a bias. It's one of those, this is one of the most difficult things to study. Um, and I don't think, because bias definitely exists among all humans. All of us have yeah. biases. Impossibly be completely objective. It's absolutely impossible. And you wonder, you know, uh, your, your human nature is na naturally to try and pick up patterns and to make decisions before your conscious mind makes a decision. This is just the nature of your of your brain. And so really the only way to to check this is to have something objective recording it. And I think body cameras are the only things that will ever take care of any potential bias in that situation. I don't think you could ever train anybody to be perfectly objective. I think it's impossible. And that's, I think, part of the problem. Hmm. So you put cameras on everybody. They already have already proven this, that people just <clears throat> act differently. They act oh. differently when they know. Yeah. If you put eyes on your computer, it, it makes you work more efficiently. Like, like you're being, yeah. like you're being yeah. watched. Yeah. There's and an old more as well. I believe there that's, was something I saw. Yeah. That, that there's too. Eyes, yeah, there's, there's eyes in the tip jar. Yeah. yeah. To, there's this interesting study where they have, this happens with children too. <laughs> they'll take children and They'll leave them alone in a room with like some treats or something, or the, and they'll tell them, okay, if you pref if you do this puzzle correctly, you get to have those treats. And then they'll leave the room, and then the kid will inevitably cheat to get the the treats, right? Who but did we just talk to who did this to their son? Was it Ben? No, that was different. That's oh. a joke. The, mar the marshmallow and then the two. Then yeah, the that's different. That's a different that's one. A different one. Yeah, that's oh. that's you get, you'll get more later. Yeah, if you, if you, who, yeah, you well, know what I'm talking about. Ben. No, that was Joe. Joe. Joe oh Zeta. yeah, Joe. Yeah, that's right. So then what they'll do is they'll tell the kid in this chair is uh, you know magic fairy princess so and so, and she watches everything you do and blah blah blah. So then the child the child believes they're being watched by even a fictional character and they don't cheat anymore. It's just very interesting. So I think you put, I think on, when we give people the power at their discretion, the only legal power that exists uh, in, in modern societies to literally incite violence, maybe kill you or lock you up uh, in a cage, there for sure should be some type of recording device there mm. checking that always. Because even if it's a half of a half of a percent, that's still way too much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's a problem that I think the, the, I don't think it'll be perfect, but I think we could totally make a huge difference with a simple, put this camera on, turn it on when you're interacting with someone 
and that's it. How do you set that up for yourself from a place of like overeating or being self-destructive or whatever mm. it may be? So, uh, we talk about this all the time. Yeah, the show. we do. Levels of awareness. It's yeah. all, it's all really is uh, levels of awareness. And it's really interesting because when we do things that hurt us, uh, whether it's physically or mentally or spiritually, there are many times that we know we're hurting ourselves. In other words, if questioned afterwards, hey, do you think that that's, you know, that's really good for you to think those thoughts about yourself? Or, you know, when you eat all that food, do you feel that that's good for your body and good for your mind? Or when you do those drugs and you're abusing those substances, do you think that? And most people will say, well, no, yeah, absolutely not. It's they're not. And what happens when they use the substance is there's a there's a subconscious, but also a slightly willful uh, unawareness, almost placing yourself out of uh, awareness to do what you're going to do. And you'll find this with binge eating where people will eat fast almost to like get this in before I realize what I'm doing. Hmm. And it's it's this very interesting conundrum. And really, the only way to fix it is to become more aware. You, you, you can think all the it's good for me. It's not good for me. And, you know, but it's always going to be a struggle until you become so fully aware of what you're doing that the decisions you make become much better. And part of, part point. of that awareness is just connecting the dots. Cause some people, they don't, they don't know they they don't really know that sometimes their body is speaking to them. They've learned it's, they've gone numb to that. Like, yeah. and I remember the being the same way too. I mean, even being a trainer, even with the, the knowledge I had when I first came in the industry, even I, I was still not fueling my body properly. I was eating everything. I, I was always the kid. I had the the insecurities to be big. I wanted I was skinny my whole life, so I wanted to build muscle. So I was I was driven to eat anything and everything. And as I exercised and moved so much that I didn't see myself get fat. So I didn't worry about it. But you don't realize like all the other signs, your other systems of your body, and when you feel it pro properly, the difference. And so most people just don't connect that. Yeah. And so once you help them in that direction to first make that connection of like, watch what happens when we eat these types of foods and pay attention to your sleep, your energy, your stool, your hair, your skin, you know, all these things, your your clarity, like you start paying attention to, to different signals. And when you help people make that connection, it becomes much easier to be aware of what you're doing to yourself. And a big one, a huge one is mood. People have the hardest time connecting what they've eaten to how they feel, mood-wise. Very, very difficult connection. And in fact, when you point it out, I don't know about you guys, but when I've worked with clients, like I know if, when I bring up the fact that they're, you know, if they're feeling if they're feeling kind of irritable or fatigued or kind of depressed or angry, you know, number one, it's hard to even get them to acknowledge that. But once they do, then as a trainer, I'll be like, well, you know, for breakfast, you had this, you know, whatever donut and that can actually, and it's like, they don't want to hear that. Hmm. They don't want to hear the food part because number one, I'm a trainer. Oh, everything you think is food. Yeah. And number two, nobody wants to connect how they feel to what they're eating. It's, it's almost too abstract for them to even see that. I don't know if you've ever run into that with clients. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, I feel quite strongly that I can see a connection between people's level of, you could call it like kinesthetic awareness or kinesthetic intelligence, you know, the, how deeply connected they are with their physical body, their physical tissue, their organs, their, their posture, all these things. 
those directly spill into your, you know, the other meta levels of self-awareness. And so that's what yogis and martial artists and monks and everything have been preaching for thousands and thousands of years. You know, and now we're kind of, st we're in this cultural kind of like V in the road where we're kind of veering away from our bodies. Right. And a product of that, I, I strongly believe is we're also veering away from that sensitivity to what our bodies actually need. And now we're being sold. It's becoming more of a financial thing we're, we're being sold on the who who advertises the best we're kind of believing this as opposed to believing ourselves we're reaching out to doctors or chiros or pharmaceuticals or whatever it may be as opposed to going in and really you know introspecting it's mm -hmm. kind of like a lost art do you think uh memories are stored in the body i have a theory yeah <laughs> in the fashion i, I figured <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so my sense is i think that every time you have a certain sensation you you kind of release this this cocktail of various hormones right your endocrine system has a translation for happiness or for sad or for fear you know and those specific moments when you had that i was raped or i was beat up or i beat up or whatever it may be i think that you get a certain surge of specific specific hormonal kind of like language mm. and if you don't move Move yourself correctly, both emotionally and physically, which I think they're the same thing. Continue. That's why I'm like a weirdo, always like kind of ringing myself out mm -hmm. and wiggling. I'm just trying to get the shit out of here, mm -hmm. right? You know. And so I think that if you don't wiggle that stuff out, think of like rinsing a rag, right? If you have gunk in that rag, you need to get it wet and you need to rinse mm -hmm. it, right? Most of us we just up sitting and then our rags end up kind of becoming like crusty mm -hmm. sponges. Now you're you're also you're also a licensed massage therapist. And a rolfer. And a ruffle. Yeah. Rolfer, excuse Rolfle. me. And I like that. I, yeah, That's I made better. that one up. Yeah. Um, and I have worked with um, some pretty exceptional uh, bodywork specialists, one in particular. And one thing she always said, now she was very, very, very kind of, you know, what people would say woo-woo, right? Which I find most massage therapists tend to be a little more in that, in that category if you were to put people in a box, which I typically don't. But if you meet her, if the average person met her, that's what they would think. But she always said that memories and, and feelings can, are stored in the body. And she would talk about how she would work on someone in a particular area and she could feel anger in there. And sure enough, the person would get pissed off on the table or emotion and they would yeah. cry. Like she said, a lot of times the hips store emotion. And yeah. when she works on people's hips, uh, that's when people will become moved by tears and stuff like that. So you know, I, I, I figured you would say something like that, but here's what's interesting from the science standpoint is that this is actually a little bit of a debate. So it's not uh, as cut and dry as people think, because if you, a lot of people who are science uh, oriented will say, no, memories are all stored in the brain. The body is dumb. It doesn't have a way of storing memories or feelings. Well, what's interesting is there are examples of certain uh, animals and uh, there's, I believe there's a certain type of worm where you could eliminate its head and most of its body and it'll grow back and have the memories of the old worm. So it'll remember mm. which way to go through the maze the or whatever. How do they test that? Yes. <laughs> so what, I just want to know how they test that. So, yeah. so, so what they'll do is they'll, they'll get a worm and they'll teach it a particular, like, so worms have to learn uh, certain things. So if it's going around a maze, for example, it takes a while to learn mm -hmm. where to go. And then every time you put it in the maze, it just takes that, that direction because it oh, remembers okay. it. Then what they'll do is they'll remove the head of this worm. It'll grow back and it'll remember. And so there's some evidence there. There's also tons of anecdote 
from organ transplants uh, where people will get an organ and very, very, very strangely will have sometimes memories or feelings that were new to them that applied (laughs) very much to the person who they took that, you know, who, who donated that, that organ uh, to them. Mm. And we, we do know, uh, we don't know very much about the brain at all um, in terms of how it really works. I personally believe memories are also stored in the body. And I do think that there's, of course, a, a brain component to it, but there's also a component that has to do with the actual like body itself, the bone, the muscle, yeah. uh, and the tissue. Um, and, uh, I, I find that very fascinating, which is why I asked you that. So yeah. do you find, uh, when you work with your, with clients and patients that, that a lot of them come with to you for like, Hey, my back hurts, but then you end up finding that you're working out some much deeper shit. Almost always. Really? Yeah. yeah it's very, very, there's like Ida Rolf. She had a quote, says where you think it is, it ain't. You know, it's very simple, which was kind of her style with things, but she's like legendary, so she can be Mm. simple like that. And uh, that's something that I see with people super consistently. I mean, you can see very, sometimes people having organ issues and that will manifest as back pain, you know, or you could be, you know, there's, there's dermatomes and myotomes and all these trigger points. Like the body is pretty complicated and also makes just tons of sense at the same time, you know, depending on which, which kind of wormhole you get down with it. Mm. You know, but the, uh, another point that I wanted, I was, that was coming to my head as you were talking about that, the worms was, have you guys heard of the, the mice that they had them smell some type of really strong, like odor. I don't remember what it was right before shocking them. Right. It was some chemical. And I was like, Ooh, right. And so then they shock them. And they did that with the mice for you know several weeks or months, and then what they found was that the the offspring of those mice, mm. when you expose that oh, to yeah. that same smell, they had the same kind of like cultural memory. Yeah. So right now, I think that we're not just living the experiences. This is like woohoo, time of woohoo. But you know, I don't I don't believe that we're living just the experiences of just what's happened inside yeah. this skin bag. I think that we're living the experience of our history, of our culture, well, of our community. Well, it's advantageous to to pass that information on. Yeah. Either through genetics yeah, or evolution. yeah, Ev- evolutionarily speaking, it absolutely is. And uh, I mean, think about, uh, and we've got lots of evidence of this now, right? Um, but that does give a little bit of credence to the whole collective consciousness, collective memory type of thing. Um, and it's it is interesting when you witness. Um, they'll see this in monkeys where you know, uh, this island over here will have this little discovery and this island over here will start using a tool in the same way and they didn't even contact, you know, have, have any contact with each other yeah. or how religion popped up and art popped up in different parts of the world right around the same time, which is also very interesting. So kind of fascinating stuff. Yeah. Is, now, is this the kind of stuff that got you into fitness in the first place or did you start <laughs> off very much like a lot of us do, which is very, you know... Yeah, do your squats, do your lunges, lose fat, build muscle. Yeah, way worse than that. So I mentioned to you last night (laughs) that I had like some degree of like daddy issues growing up. My Mm. dad, you know, started getting into drugs and he went to jail too, actually. Oddly Mm. enough, Apple doesn't fall fall far from the tree, apparently. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so I was like 15, 16 when things kind of started getting a little bit funny. And uh, during that time frame, my story with it is I started packing on heaps of muscle as a means of protection, you know, and so I was really into bodybuilding. I was like shaving my body Mm. and like getting it like ready. I was like, you know, doing the spray tan, like getting all jacked up for bodybuilding Mm. competitions. And uh, at the time, I thought that this was just 
this is just rad. This is just like what it means to be a man. I think that now, not that there's anything wrong with bodybuilding or whatever. I think sure. it, like it, whatever your sport is, it's great. Enjoy. It was your reasoning for it. My wasn't reasoning good. for it. That's the thing. And so I believe my reasoning for it was just a means of, of protection. Mm. You know, so if you have some type of like seed that you're insecure about, you know, you could either resolve that insecurity or you just build the walls up. So you just felt safer. I think so. Being bigger. Oh yeah. Did you abuse your body during this period? Were you using uh, lots of supplements, anabolic oh, steroids, dude, it anything? Was gnarly. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was. I mean, like protein farts, creatine farts for days. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, <laughs> what's, you, how, what's the biggest you were? How, how far? Was, well, you're a tall was, dude. You're what? How tall are you? I'm just shy of six five. Six five. So you're a big dude. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you you were how big were you? This is sixteen years My old. My biggest was when I was probably like seventeen, and I was like two thirty. Wow. Which is. Oh, wow. um, I mean, that's, it's that's a big. It's that's a big seventeen year old. But it's like yeah. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big boy. And I had a beard and I wore a leather jacket, not like a Fonzie leather jacket, but it was just like, it was something that made me like, I bought beer for my friends. Like everyone thought that I was at least 26. You know, it wasn't until I was We're going to need a picture for the show notes for this. For yeah, sure. It wasn't until I was 26 that people finally started guessing my age. Like I was 26 for like a decade. And then finally I was 26. Like, what are you about 26? I'm like, yes, that's, yeah. about, that's how old finally. I am. <laughs> I've been the age I am now looks wise forever. Right. People always, oh, 38? Like, no, fucking 25, dude. Yeah, right, right. I appreciate that. So were you like a, were you a dick too? Were you like this big, like bully that used to get no. in fights and shit? No, I was. So you were a nice dude. You yeah. just wanted to look like. I was just crying on the inside, man. Wow. You know, I was just trying to, trying to be, I still deal with this stuff a little bit, not crying on the inside stuff so much, but, um, feeling outside, you know, like I'm always been curious about people that feel like they're inside a group or of, you know, whatever it may be. I've always kind of skirted edges of groups. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not, it's not, I'm, I'm, I've, yeah, I haven't really felt so strongly like this is my team, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I actually really envy this a little bit. You mm. know, I've been kind of more lone wolf with a lot of things. Mm. Both are valuable. If you travel, for example, you travel by yourself, you get to meet a lot more people oh, because yeah. people are like, oh, hey, what's up? You're by yourself. What's going on? Yeah. If you have a team with you, people don't give a shit because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, they're, 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 oh, yeah. they'll Justin, figure it out. Justin's very intimidating when we go places too, most of the time. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so there's value Purposely. in both. <laughs> I've just fallen more in that, that end of the spectrum, mm -hmm. like skirting the teams as opposed to being on the team. Now you, do you, you find, uh, movement seems to be therapy for you. Totally. Has it, did you discover that early on? I think it's all, it's just been, yeah. You know, so I studied, like I mentioned, I went to, went to school for psychology mm -hmm. and then I went to massage school and, um, yeah, it's like, this mind body. I was doing those are both, those that. are both arts that are designed to learn other people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious about that. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a part of like the skirting and it's always been kind of like watching, mm. you know, what's, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's just been a natural, a natural evolution where it started off being really curious about psychology and like what's going on in the brain, kind of like you mentioned, and then starting to look a little bit more broader spectrum and seeing like, you can't have an emotion without having a physical reaction to it, mm -hmm. right? If you like method act and you take on anger, you have to take it on in your feet to really feel anger. You know, you got to take it on in your pelvic floor and your diaphragm. Then, okay, now you're acting. As long as you're acting with your brain, it's bullshit. No one's going to trust it. You know, and so what I've, you know, what I've kind of been gathering is, okay, so if those emotions are all tied up in my posturing, then maybe I can start tapping in 
to the emotions or the psychology through working with my connective tissue and working with the organiz- organization of my joints. Hmm. So just putting yourself in different yeah. you know, So there's studies now that completely support that. Uh, in fact, there's some interesting studies on people who get Botox. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll get Botox and it'll prevent like, um, you know, frown lines or whatever. So uh, they don't frown as much and they find that their depression actually uh, drops. So they're, they don't oh, feel as really? depressed because they don't frown as much. But at the same time, on the other end, they don't feel the other extreme of the... You know, I was going to say, you can't get as happy because it's like... Uh, but yeah. you, know what's, you know what's really fascinating about that is they lose their capacity for empathy. That's it. That's yeah, the one, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so That's so, why it's important to feel sad sometimes. Yeah, so, so by you stretching and practicing and going through all these different ranges of motion with your face, what you are actually doing is you're furthering your potential adaptation to feel someone else. Mm-hmm. If you're stuck in one specific pattern, am I just, you know, I'm like cowboy hat guy or, you know, I'm like, I have this identity that I stick with, right? Then your ability to feel deeply with someone that's a yoga instructor or someone that's a Mexican immigrant or someone that's a whatever is going to be less because you don't have that range of motion mm-hmm. in your, in your face, and your body. Yeah. We're, we're so much more connected than we, than we like to admit. Are, oh, are you familiar with blind sight? Uh, tell me. So blind sight is when they'll uh, somebody will will have a stroke or damage to the part of the brain that uh, gives you sight. So they're effectively blind. Like their eyes are fine. They're they're totally healthy. There's nothing wrong with their eyes, but the part of the brain that processes sight is gone. So they're completely blind. They don't see anything at all. But what they'll do is if they place pictures of faces in front of these people. They will make micro adjustments to their own faces to mimic <laughs> what they see in front of them. What in the so hell? So if, if there's a picture of a person, God, where'd you see that? That is, uh, it's a very these trippy. Are, these are ve- it's very very interesting science. It's totally repeatable. It's it's a it's something that they talk about. It's called blind sight. You can look it up. But if there's a face in front of mine with a slight smile, my face will slightly smile a little bit, and I mm. and they'll say, you know, he's trying to mirror. Let, it. Yeah, do you see anything or whatever? No, no, no. But it goes to show that the, there's other parts of the brain mm-hmm. that are perceiving sight other than the one that we're used to, which is what we consider sight. And of course, they use human faces because of all the things that we see, uh, the brain is uh, most evolved and most finely tuned to read and see faces. Yeah, facial recognition is huge. It's it's yeah. huge. And, it's, and here's another thing that's trippy. If you are always around similar looking people, like if I'm, you know, uh, Icelandic and I, and I'm only around Icelandic people all the time, I can see other people of other ethnicities and it will be much harder for me to tell one from the other. Hmm. And so that's where you get the term, like they all look the same when talking about, you know, uh, different races, whatever. And this is because it's so picking up these intricate things are also learned. And there's so, uh, there's so much, um, that goes into it that it's, uh, you literally have to study faces, understand them. The brain learns it. And then you make these, you know, like, oh, I know that that's so-and-so's brother, but I know that that person is, you know, yeah. this person, not them yeah. versus, you know, if you see someone from another race, I can't tell them apart. Very, very interesting stuff when it comes to recognition. Yeah. Very, very cool stuff. So I've, I've got another freaky one for you. Yeah. There was, <laughs> there was uh, uh, another study where they had 
people exposed, they were just watching, watching TV and they would kind of like subliminally show randomly these images, like really graphic images, right? So it was either like pornography or it was like a murder scene or something like that. And it would just kind of be like, blah, 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 watching the lake, blah, blah. And then I was like, dead murder, you know, and then like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And they would go back. And what they found with that is obviously every time that image would come up, they'd you know, see on the EEG, like it's like, oh, oh good. Yeah. Right. But what they found was actually, you know, milliseconds or nanoseconds before the image was was put on the screen, people would have that sensation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know what the heck that means. It's predictive. But once again, it's just kind of just like there's more going on in this thing than we think. Actually, they can predict the decision you're going to make based on your brain, uh, brain by readings of your brain before you're consciously aware yeah, of the decision, you react the decision you're going to make. So what is happening first? That brings up the whole like crazy debate of whether or not we actually have free will right. or if it's complete illusion and we're just moving through this machine <laughs> and every, you know we have this perception of free will but it doesn't we exist. We would have to smoke a lot of weed to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn. Well that's We went sh- deep. That's yeah. what the shamans did, I think, mm. you know. Like what about the discovery of the I'm probably saying it's around like the shakruna plant. So in order for for ayahuasca to actually have like the psychedelic effects, it needs to be mixed with this one specific plant. It's an MAOI like the, inhibitor. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, so there's this one specific and there might be others out there, but from what we know, there's this one specific plant that will that will uh, allow for that psychedelic experience for your your body just breaking the ayahuasca down. And you know the discovery of that is is fascinating. You that know, they like, even knew that. Where the hell does that come from? Yeah, you must have read the Cosmic Serpent. Is that where you read about? I did read that. Yeah, actually. great book yeah. by uh, God. What's his name? Jeremy Narby, I think is his I don't name. Remember. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes, Doug, so that uh, if people want to take take a look at that. Um, yeah, no, he talks about how the ayahuasca plant. It contains dimethyltryptamine, but when you ingest it, uh, your body degrades it and destroys it, so you get no effects. The only way for it to work is if you were to take an MAOI inhibitor, which inhibits the enzyme that breaks it down, and now you get the dimethyltryptamine to the brain. But the odds of someone combining these two plants and and the odds of them uh, brewing it in the particular way that's required to produce the substance... Remember, this is the Amazon. Like... There, it is the, mo- the most variety of plants you've ever, that exists on Earth is in this place. And it, there's a preparation that goes into, like, how the hell did they even discover this and figure this out? And when this anthropologist who wrote that book went and asked them that, like, how did you guys know to... And they're like, oh, the plants tell us. Yeah. Like, the plants tell us to put each other... You know, to put these. And there was another plant that... And he used this example in the book that is used for snake venom. And when you use this plant on the snake venom, it's like an antidote. And again, he asked them, how did you know? And they said, well, the plant tells us. And he says, what do you mean? Like, explain that. And he says, look at the leaf. And then sure enough, you look at the leaf of the plant. It looks like a a snake Hmm. with fangs. (laughs) Very, very cool book. Very, very interesting stuff. Oysters looking like a pussy. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Now you've got my attention. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and it's got zinc and it makes you horny. I saved you. No, 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 no. That's exactly what I'm saying. I've already gotten to it. Yeah. It makes be like an aphrodisiac and raise Testosterone and all Justin these loves cucumbers and, and bananas. It, and it oh looks like God. a pussy. <laughs> Don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so Aaron, what made you start a podcast? About you've been on air for what two years? Over two years. Over. Now. What made you start a podcast? Oh, man, I because I, I you were already deep in your career of yeah, what you're doing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had, I had, so I had the the body work, Rolf, you know, whatever you'd call it, business movement business, and um, that was between. I did that in Colorado. I did that in Hawaii. I did that in Oregon. Kind of like you know, moving around the world, bringing this business. And a part of that movement around the world was 
just gathering information and kind of like, you know, whenever you're meeting with a practitioner or a personal trainer or a doctor, whatever it is, what you're doing is you're taking the blanket or the funnel that they've taken from everything they've gathered around the world, with their experience and bring it to a, to a vectored point. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the way that I started feeling with working with clients was that we were having these really you know, what I perceived to be great conversations, you know, really helpful conversations. And I found myself saying the same shit over and over and over again. Mm. And so to me, it was kind of like, uh, it was like a necessary part of the evolution to be, to be able to project these conversations out. Mm. And mm-hmm. then I had friends that were doing podcasts or whatever. And they're like, Aaron, you podcast. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll listen. And so you did it too, because you wanted to help that's it. Help others. Yeah. And I think it's be, be connected if I'm really honest, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a similar thing of like the skirting, skirting the tribes kind of oh, thing. Okay. You know, so, so now, you know, I'd mentioned, I'd mentioned yesterday, I've done like over 150 interviews with people mm-hmm. and the interviews are, are all usually like this, you know, we're really, we're not, it's not bullshit, you know, like we're really sitting with each other. It's not like I'm looking at, you know, and you get to have these experiences with people that, um, there's, there's not a lot of mediums that give you that access mm-hmm. to people. We've said uh, so many, part. T- we've yeah. said so yeah. many times on the podcast throughout, cause we've been on air now for two and a half years and each one of us have independently said, and we've said it on air that this is therapy. Yeah. Very, very yeah. interesting. It's so cathartic to get on a microphone and to, this is, very, this is the selfish part of me. Part of the reason why I do this because it's for me. Course. It's you know I, I definitely want to help people, but it's also for me. It's very strange. We talk about this. All well, the time. We'd be lying to not admit that. I mean, mm-hmm. for sure it is. It's been. Uh, I mean, we've also shared too, and God, the two and a half, three years. There's been more personal growth from each of us individually than probably the previous thirty before that, because yeah. of the people that you're getting to communicate with, and and just their the minds are amazing, and it's amazing to sit in sit like this. And this is what one of the things too, that we just kind of, we naturally went this direction. You know, we were trying to figure out, we had no desire really to podcast. No one had any experience that direction. And we're like, okay, well, how do we do this? And how do we do it well to where people actually want to tune in and listen? And I think the, the whole conversation, and then we tried at the very beginning, like preparing for interviews and having these questions that were all formulaic and that, you know, we wanted to make sure we get out and they just, they sucked. I really thought they were really weak. Yeah, they were just and dry. once we kind of, once we got rid of that and just said, you know what, when we, when we meet somebody, we're just going to meet them just like we would if we were talking to them in our living room and getting to know them and the questions that I would ask in the order that I'd ask them. And like, it's normal dialogue. It turned everything. And then after that, the connection that you start to really make with all those people, it's on a different level. And yeah. man, the amount of information we've had to absorb over the last couple of years. Fuck, yeah. man. Oh, I can't. Yeah. My, it's like your own personal education. I yeah. mean, you just bring all these bright minds in and being able to talk to them and uh, they get to a level where it's more of a conversation which is easily digestible that way like I just I tend to to really respond better to that instead of even just being in a seminar kind of situation like it's so so good to get all those like little details and get the rapport back and forth so you can really pick their brain uh, to a level where you can't do it when you're in a class setting mm-hmm. so do you have you found that you've grown since you started your podcasting that you've grown faster as a result of it like like grown faster in which way 
just grown faster. Taller. You're talking about my dick, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he always does. <laughs> Not again. Yeah. No, no, grown. Just pr- and anyway, dick personally, prints. you know. Uh, Absolutely. Really. Oh yeah. man, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I was going to ask you guys. What's the, just to be clever? What's the second thing that comes to mind of the most impactful thing of having these conversations? Of the second the most. The second impactful? most impactful. The thing just comes to like whatever the first thing is. Let that go. Go to the next thing. What's mm-hmm. the next thing that comes to your mind? Um. Okay. Uh, I it hones my conversational skills. Yeah. Because you're doing it. You're sitting down. We're talking. We're supposed to. And you know what I found? That's interesting. That's that is the second thing that pops on my mind. When I go to part, I was I've always had no problem talking to people, but now like my charisma level is through the roof. Like I can go to a party and just talk to people <laughs> so much better. I don't know because I feel yeah. like we're practicing all the time. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what I'm saying? I would shoot it out there easier. Yeah. I, I would say it's increased my integrity. Good. Uh, mm, I think cool. I think uh, being forced to listen to yourself on a radio and putting, oh, your, shit, putting, putting uh, yourself yeah. out there all the time really makes me check my own words and w- my message and my life and who I am and who I pre- how I present myself. Um, so yeah, I think that's been for sure. Yeah. I think two. it's the way that like it, it's exposed the way that I think. Like I can understand yeah. how I think about things and and. Uh, that's what you think, you know, you know, your process, but, uh, when you're kind of in this situation, you start to learn even more about the way that you operate and it's kind of, it trips me out because, you know, I've, I'm out of the group on the heart. Like it's hardest for me to express what's inside my head. You Mm. know, like I'm just not a big conversationalist. So this was like a big leap for me in, in a growth period for me. And, uh, I've, I've definitely, that, that would have been the first thing I would have said was like, Oh God, you know, like mm. uh, I, I just learned so much about how to express myself, but really it's also about the way I think, like I'm understanding myself on a, di- on a, like a new level. So yeah. it's pretty cool. Have how, you, go ahead. Have you looked into neurolinguistic programming at all, mm. Justin? Mm. Whoa, no, but I will oh. now. That's a, explain. There's a good book in LP. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a big Tony yeah. Robbins thing too, right? Isn't he a, yeah. So that's, that's the origination of, of Tony Robbins. Now he's got his own, whatever, okay. whatever he calls it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, just noticing language, uh, you guys are buddies with Mike Bledsoe as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 So he's, he's, he's a good buddy of mine and he, he turned me on to this, um, Oh, darn. I don't remember what it's called. So we'll just stick with the NLP, but some other kind of like version of NLP, but, um, just the power of our words, you know? And Mm -hmm. so when we say things like, I'm not a good conversationalist Mm -hmm. to me, that's a very, you know, you're reaffirming that like, okay, cool. So let's just play small and keep myself in this box. Mm -hmm. if I'm not a good conversationalist. And it's just something to tinker with in in general is to kind of be aware of how we classify ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, the simple, simple, and you can take this or leave this and, you know, whatever. But the simple little thing of like, I'm working on my conversational skills. Mm. Yeah. To me, I feel that like in my body that mm. feels when I say I'm not a thing versus I'm working on a thing. So like, it's true, of, but I've already th- like, I've thought to myself, like I'm getting better every time. Good. Like, yeah. I, like I, that's how I, I perceive it more as like, Great. I want to recognize problematic or like weaknesses. And then I, I want to like, like for me, it's accountability. Uh, more than anything is to, to express that like, Hey, you know, this is challenging for me or, but yeah, like you said, like words, as far as like the way that I would describe that. Yeah. I could change that and not, not put myself back in that box. It's the box. Get out of the box. box. So instead of saying like, I, I, I suck at painting. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm working on my painting. I'm working skills. on working yeah, right, yeah. man. It always yeah. puts you because now what if you go on the other end? What if you go on the other end and you're just like, yeah, I'm a fucking badass artist. Like, what you if you just go delusional? Yeah, you might be delusional. So I think it's now you're not likes this. Yeah, you're not that good. Damn it, my my method doesn't work. But I think, but I think there is something to you know. So the secret is partly bullshit, partly there's some. Oh, you talking about the secret? The book? Oh God. I'm not gonna say. I'm not saying the secret. Can you guys see me roll my eyes? Hear me now. Hear me now. Hear me now. Hear me now. I don't have any connection with like the universe and whatever. Maybe so. Maybe not. I'm indifferent on it. Right. But I think that the value of preparing yourself mentally for the you know the the human being that you want to become, you know what that does. If you reaffirm those statements, you write it down on the wall. You change your language when you're in that situation where the boss man or the podcast man or whoever man that could or or woman that could potentially like give you the keys to the castle. Mm -hmm. You've been preparing yourself for the last five years, three years, 10 years to, from an NLP perspective or from like your own consciousness perspective Mm -hmm. to be like, I'm the man I'm showing up for this. Whereas if you're always in that place of like, I'm not the man, but it would be cool. You will never be trusted. No one's ever going to give you the keys. Well, people need to also Mm. understand when you, when you're talking about this, this is a very important part because I'm very familiar with what you're talking about. Uh, All joking aside, but there's a piece of it that I didn't really understand till much later. And that is that that's the programming part. That's the, the part that me, that you, you need to practice it like anything else. Like in other words, if I'm, um, you know, if I'm super, it's the, it's the first level of becoming a real Jedi. Yeah. That's what that is. That's the first yeah, level that absolutely. You, the next it's level is you don't got to do none of that bullshit. Cause you're a hundred percent comfortable with who you are, where you're at in your life. And you're a hundred percent honest with yourself. That's why it's said like the integrity that, the show makes you elevate. It's just on another level because of that. Cause you're constantly having to it's, reach, it, recheck yourself on, on your own words, you know, like, is yeah. that, is that really what I believe? And how mm-hmm. does that make me feel when I hear that? How you know? weird is it to hear yourself on a podcast and then, you know, or whatever you hear, you're listening to yourself talk and you're making this passionate point or whatever. <laughs> and you hear it and you're like, geez, I sound like a fucking idiot or, <laughs> yeah. or do I can't believe like, how where'd that, that came. come from. Like yeah. now I know why people think maybe this when I say that because yeah. it does sound like that like mm, right. how weird is that has feedback. it ever happened to you where you listen to yourself crazy feedback I think like, the Holy first shit. literally the whole entire first year of episodes online <laughs> I really don't want anyone to listen to I have I mean you guys have like seen like the lineup of people that I have on my show like everyone's fucking brilliant you know and I'm just like the first year there was this feeling of of me I can witness in, in listening to myself this feeling of wanting to assert myself and let the world know that I'm really smart. Mm-hmm. And so what that ends up doing is creating more of like a dis or like an ingenuine version of myself, you know, and I'm like packing facts and packing like points and just talking way too much. That was the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Now it's like ask the right questions and implement with ideas when it will help the conversation, period. Did you yeah. ever, did you ever stress? Awareness. Did, yeah, you ever, yeah, did you ever stress out about thinking like, Oh man, two thousand people heard me say that the other day, or all these people are hearing what 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 you know. You ever stress out over that? That bothered me a lot in the beginning. Yeah, not really, honestly. Okay, cool. That wasn't such a such a huge thing. Yeah, I have a big mouth, so sometimes I say things and I'm like, wow. Yeah, me, I can't believe I said that. Yeah, no, it's it's to me, it's not even so much that that you know you know two thousand or more than two thousand people were listening. It's 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 more that anybody was listening, that that image was captured and it's still there, whether it was a million or whether it was mm-hmm. whatever, it was just like, oh, 
man, maybe if it was, you know, a million people listening, that might've been worse. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just the fact that, and then at the same time, not beating myself up and really being able to, to lean into, lean into the, you know, the, the, the problems that you have, you know, and saying like, Oh cool, this is all just options or moments for me to pivot a little bit. And if I never had that feedback, the real issue is people that don't have the feedback, right? So if you're not making mistakes, then you don't know how to course correct, right? So if you're a person that's staying within that box, like we were talking about before, then you may never, you might feel okay for a while. I think eventually probably be depressed, but you never had, you never bumped into walls to change your direction. Mm. You know, can you, uh, when you, when did you make the switch from, uh, lifting weights, like a bodybuilder and, into more of what you know now or understand now about yeah. exercise. Cause I, I remember distinctly how that happened, uh, for me. And we've talked about this many times on our, on our show. Uh, at some point I imagine there was probably something that happened where you were yeah. like, what up? Surfing and massage school were both kind of, you know, so I was living in Hawaii and I was going to massage school. And so if you're getting, you know, I think it was like 700 hours or so of, just thinking about touching the body and, and being touched and, you know, not in a creepy way, but Ugh. you're just spending a lot of time just laying and people digging into your hips and digging, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. there's a certain type of somatic sensory awareness, you know, something that happens that it's just, it's hard to explain without just being rubbed for 400 hours, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and then combining that with martial arts, I really got, I got into jujitsu and then surfing and then Muay Thai and me being, you know, having more grace on a surfboard or like doing a guillotine with somebody became more valuable than bicep curls. Mm. So you, you were, then you got more into the movement, mobility and function yeah. side of it all and yeah. didn't really care so much about the aesthetic or, or well, was it still a motivation for I, you? I broke myself, dude. I was like, I dislocated both my shoulders. I've dislocated both my shoulders more times than I can count. I haven't done it for in hockey. That was the first when one. You were playing hockey, yeah, okay. I, I played center and I was like, I went, there was a guy that was smaller than me. And so I went and I was just like, this is convenient. I'll just pick his leg up and kind of hip into him and just I'll kick the puck back to my, my defenseman. No, no big deal. And so I did that like a big, strong man. And then all of a sudden my shoulder just like oh. completely drops out. Mm. And what happened there is my shoulder was, I was so built because I was insecure about my pecs. I wanted bigger pecs, mm -hmm. like just like a lot of guys maybe um, in that situation. And so I had built up the glamour muscles so much that I got so short in the front that it, and then disengaged in the back that I was kind of the head of my humerus is kind of sitting on the precipice of that, that glenohumeral fossa. Right. So it's just sitting on the edge there waiting for fucking And just any, enough force. And anything. It comes right out. Yeah. And then once that happens, not only do you loosen up the tendons and the ligaments around that, the joint caps, all that, but you're also dealing with the tidal wave of the previous patterns that you've been wrapped up in, right? So you can't just say, okay, cool. We'll go in there and do some rotator cuff exercise. You'll be good to go. That's bullshit, right? You need to look at, at where's the origination of this all the way down into your feet, right? So if you can organize from your feet to your knee, to your pelvis up through your, you know, your, your axial skeleton in relation to your shoulder girdle and your hands and your head, okay, now we have a closed circuit, but until you have open flappers in your body, right? You have great pecs or abs or whatever, but you have, you know, your foot's pronated and your knees dumped and your glutes are disengaged. It doesn't matter yet, right? You're stepping in the road maybe, but until we're thinking close the circuit, it's you, we haven't gotten started yet. Now, how do you communicate that to clients who are like, I just want to lose 20 pounds. <laughs> I mean, that's the, re that's the reality. No, right? Yeah. We yeah. Talk I mean, about that's this. the reality, yeah. you know, cause I mean, I, I used to get stuck in that same exact 
situation. I, you know, explaining, I would explain things like what you're talking about to clients, but I had, I found myself having to be very careful with how I sold it to them because you are, I had to sell it to them. I had to sell them what I'm going to do with them because it was different than what they thought. Like they're thinking, beat me up. I want to sweat, uh, run me. I need to lose weight. And I'm trying to do correctional movement with them, myofascial release, you know, tension positions and stuff like that. And so I had to like sell it to them and be very careful with how I worded it because early on, uh, I just blew people out of the water. Yeah. I got to give them everything. And I thought I had to educate the fuck out of them and they just wouldn't, it would just, none of it would sink in. Yeah. And so I found myself going really slow. Did you find, have you found yourself going that? For sure. And then I said like, screw that, you know, now, now it's more, and sometimes I'll still do that for sure. But I think there's also a certain degree of like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's like, maybe those aren't your clients. Like maybe you they're not ready for they're not ready for you. Yeah, you're on a different end of the spectrum. It's not a better end. It's not a worse end. It's just a different Different. end, right? And so if someone comes into your door, this is relation to you know relationships. This is businesses. Just because you're gonna make you know like oh I really need that fifteen dollars an hour or whatever. It's like maybe you you know beating yourself up and hating your life about this stupid job that you Mm -hmm. have or when you know whatever the analogy is. Maybe that's the universe or yourself, your nervous system telling you you're doing the wrong thing. You know, so I think that if we do close windows, sometimes other windows open up. Yeah, I, you know, I've thought that many times. I thought to myself, like, well, maybe these aren't the clients um, I should be working with. And then the thought, you know, comes through my mind that, well, if I'm really just looking for growth minded people, because that's what it is. Right. If they're growth minded, then I can sit down and explain these things and it's it's no problem. Mm. But the growth minded people are the ones that need my help the least is what would go through my head. Like this is a growth minded individual they're going to do a lot better off than this person over here who I have to really navigate how I communicate to them because without me, you know, using my ability to communicate and take them through these things, it's never going to happen. And so that was always a tug of war with me. Well, this was my, this was, uh, you know, our, our, I think we could say all of our assessment of our experience with Paul check. Paul checks a good example of this. I think he's, we all agree. He's probably one of the most brilliant men that we've ever met in our lives. Just as his understanding of the human body is on a whole nother level than many, many other PhDs that we've met in his field. And he's just a brilliant, brilliant man. But the way he communicates his message it's only received by those that are open-minded enough to receive that message. And it, let me tell you, it's, you've got to had, you've got to had, you, you will have had to have made a a major trek before you can get to even that point. And so you have to ask yourself, and when you look at it, either one as a business or two, you know, can I be helping more people is, you know, how do I, how do I convey this message that I know I want to lead these people? But if I genuinely ask myself, like, at least I know this for me, if I ask myself, would the 22 year old version listen to me now? And he mm. probably wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and really, we have to be, we also have to define open-mindedness because it doesn't necessarily mean, uh, better. It's just different. Mm. And here's what I mean by that. Like people listening are like, well, I hear, you know, We'll use Paul Check as an example. I heard Paul Check and he sounds, you know, woo-woo. And it's not because I'm not open-minded. It's because the dude makes no sense. <laughs> here's, here's where the open-mindedness comes into play. When you hear, I'll give a great example. When I first uh, had an acupuncturist rent space for my facility, I had zero belief uh, of, of acupuncture. I had no, like, to me it was like, eh, it doesn't work. It's whatever. And I was very much in the Western medicine side of things. However, I respected it enough 
to know that people liked it and that it worked for a lot of people. It was non-surgical, non-medicinal. And if some people thought it worked for them, then it did. And that was all fine. So I was open my open-minded enough to do that. And when the person came in and then I had this acupuncturist work with me, explain to me, because I used to sit down and literally have these discussions with this acupuncturist, these debates where she would talk about, you know, the energy, the chi flowing through the body and there's blockages in chi and I'm just opening up chi and I'm literally preventing yeah. my eyes from rolling while she's talking to me because I'm like, I don't not want to hear about your she's magical. Me right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't want to hear about your mystical, magical spirit <laughs> stuff. Like, if you can't explain to me what's happening in the body, then whatever. But then I started to open my mind a little bit. What I mean by that was I didn't start believing in chi. Uh, that that didn't matter, right? Whether I believed in chi or not. What I started to do is started to use my language to understand a potential truth. And acupuncture has been around for thousands of years. It's been used for long periods of time. Um, and many, 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 many people say it works. And there's studies that demonstrate that for certain things, for sure it's proven to work, which is why insurance will now even cover acupuncture. So I tried to be open-minded enough to explain how it worked through my understanding of the body. So I just changed the language a little bit. And so I started thinking, hey, look, referred pain is a real thing. You know, people will feel a heart attack in their arm sometime or they'll feel organ pain in another part of their body. And it, it definitely correlates to that organ. In fact, you can go to the doctor and if you feel pain over here, one of the first things they'll do is check this organ over there. So maybe it has more to do with the nervous system and you're changing the signaling so that it disrupts the pain signal or so that it changes the information that you're receiving from the nervous system to make you feel happy or not anxious or whatever. Um, this is how analgesic work, uh, work, the topical analgesics. When you put, you know, uh, you know, menthol or eucalyptus oil on your head because you have a headache, for example, it doesn't take away the headache because it cures the headache. It is literally disrupting the signal. You're picking up this cold sensation on your head. Your brain gets confused with the signal. And this is, by the way, I'm explaining it through Western uh, you know, Western, you know, medicine uh, explanation. And so your brain stops perceiving the pain. So you just don't perceive the pain anymore or you perceive it differently. So when I was open, when I opened my mind enough to hear what they're saying, look at some of the evidence in terms of people who actually say the same thing and then try to explain it with my language, I found that I learned quite a bit, mm. absolutely quite a bit. And so those are the people I think that do best. But like Adam is saying, they don't, they don't typically need our help. It's the other people that need our help. Like, how yeah. do we get to them? I want to. I want to retract my previous statement of that. That I say, you know, screw them or whatever. Or I don't know what I said. But um, what I found actually is there's a, a really small percentage of people that I haven't been able to get to. Mm. You know, the people that that aren't interested in doing the things that, like the you know the the remedies or whatever, mm -hmm. like the exercises or what. Like everything that I'm saying to them, if it doesn't make sense to you immediately. It's, it's my bad. I'm not saying it correctly to be able to communicate to you, you know, so I would look at those people and there is sometimes where people oftentimes if they just have like, you know, buco dollars or whatever, and they're just like, I just fix me. And they're just like, they don't, they don't really care about the session. That might be a moment where, or if like the, if it's like a kid and the parents are paying to have them there, oh, they, they're that. just not invested. Yeah. That's those, when I said, when I said screw that noise, that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. The people that don't really care to be there, I'm like, well, there's, this is stupid. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. But I think that even like, you know, with the acupuncturist, whatever, how many times has she explained chi and as opposed to doing research on how we can start creating more creative analogies to how to communicate to you or someone else, she just keeps saying chi. I think that's the fault of the acupuncturist. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I, That's I, a good point. I, I, I uh, and which is why I think 
communication skills for any health practitioner are as important as your knowledge of your craft. Yeah. I don't care yeah. if you're a Western medicine doctor, a surgeon, a chiropractor, massage therapist, personal trainer. If you're in a field where you're trying to teach someone practices to help their body or trying to treat someone, uh, if you, the only way it's going to really work is if there's buy-in. If that person doesn't buy in and do it, unless you plan on living with that individual forever uh, and forcing them to do what you're showing them, which might have some benefit but doesn't have the full benefit still, uh, then you need to get buy-in. And I 100% will tell you that as a trainer, I was far more effective than trainers who were 10 times trainers, 10, 10 times better than I was. Mm. Like trainers who were just knowledgeable and knew what to do when uh, at the right times, but they just didn't get buy-in because they weren't able to communicate very well. And so I'd ask them what I need to do with my clients and then I'd come over and I'd communicate it and I'd get buy-in. And I feel like that's a lot of ego, right? I feel mm. like that's that's ego getting in the way because you sometimes these people that I think have these really great messages are so concerned about themselves and their message than the people actually at the people that are actually receiving the message and being able to convey that, right? I yeah. Think, mm-hmm. Like you have to know this the way I'm, you know, know it or yeah, you have or, to believe or in chief. Or even more like insecurities. Like yeah. I, I have an insecurity of being how, how smart I am. So I care about the words that I'm saying that they're so fucking makes me sound so smart so that the people that are listening go like, wow, they're so impressed, but then they can't even freaking digest that and figure out what that means. I think that was something that we all kind of had in common when we were first coming up was understanding that, you know, the people in front of you, yeah. they, they just like yourself, you, you, are, this has been a journey for all of us, right? It's been a long one too. I mean, we've, we've been in the fitness industry for almost 20 years now, you know, so that's a long time to be doing what we're doing and it's been a growth process for me. So for me to not think that there's going to be a major growth process for my clients that didn't have a desire to, you know, learn about kinesiology, they didn't have yeah. any desire to learn. They don't care. They just want to lose weight or be healthier or their doctors told them you're going to die if you don't fix this, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of what we get. And I think that was, you know, a lot about mind pump when we first, we started that was, we agreed that, you know, this is, we were going to try and not speak to just one, you know, one niche group like that is ready for this like top notch information like that is just like the cutting edge, everything. It's like, dude, there's so many people out there that just, there's yeah. the basics they're missing because nobody's communicating it well. And there's so much noise, white noise out there with the advertising and marketing and all the supplement companies and all the bullshit out there. Well, meanwhile, trying to still, you know, gather all that awesome knowledge and information at a really high level. But now we're trying to communicate that same message and re repurpose it and, and rebrand it in a way where, you know, they can digest it better and they can understand with us. And I think that, uh, you know, that, that part of our evolution has, you know, has been critical for us to, to be able to kind of get to that level where, okay, you guys understand this concept. And then now how can we present this and put it into a program where even now, like your average gym person that just is going in, but is clueless, you know, cause all they, all they're getting right now is stuff from like men's fitness and, and health and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, there's nothing, there's no sort of like a bridge between that and like, you know, these, these professionals that have been in these various fields for, you know, all, all these years and then they're doing great work, but it's like, they're not going to get exposed to those people. You yeah. know, how do we bring them in? Yeah. There's a, there's a Chinese proverb 
I think, and this isn't exactly how it goes, but the idea of it, paraphrasing, is uh, trust those that ask questions and run from those that have answers, you know, and so, or maybe have all the answers, yeah. you know, and so I think that upon entering, the reason that anyone would pay, you know, any of you guys or me or whatever, any amount to achieve their goals is probably because we've achieved them in some sense, or we're on the path, you know, our ladder's on the right building and we're going up and they're like, come on, this is the, where you put your ladder. You know, and so I think that people that are raving about how, you know, like this is this is the only thing and this is right. And it's very dogmatic. Um, oftentimes, I think those are the people that are insecure, like you guys are saying, mm -hmm. you know, but if you're the person that's like, you know what, this shit is just working. If you want in, come on over. Mm -hmm. If not, it's totally fine. You yeah, there's, <laughs> there's nothing like watching that true transformation. And I don't mean physical transformation either because I, I, I've seen that so many times where people lose weight and, you know, look different and look better or whatever. It's actually pretty easy, but I'm talking about the real transformation where they start to think and act differently. And, uh, you know, I've had clients that I've trained for years before that happened. I mean, I, I, I remember I, there was a, there was a gentleman I trained for three years, had really, really bad food relationship issues and wanted to lose weight the entire time. And, uh, you know, I was again, very supportive and educational and, you know, I, I, I knew that it was going to take a long process. So I was very, very patient and I, I'll never forget like within like after like three years of training without prompt, without like, this is the diet, this is what you're going to do. Dude lost 35 pounds. Then I trained him another six years after that and never, he never gained it back. And it was just like, it just finally all the switches went off and he just did it on yeah. his own. And it's like, I love, absolutely love seeing that. That's the best. And I haven't trained him now for a while. And I talk to him all the time and this is like, this is what he does now. Like he, yeah. it's not a problem anymore. Yeah. I, th I think of people as being different supplements or medicine, right? So every person that you're around, if you're feeling a certain way, then, you know, maybe I need vitamin Mary, maybe I need vitamin Sal, maybe I need, you know, it's not always going to go with your state to be with that person, you know, but you can, Alan Watts, philosopher, dead philosopher guy mm -hmm. said that, uh, the best therapy is just being around therapeutic people, right? You don't need to study, you know, cerebro, whatever you like, like you just, by being a therapeutic person, Right. And you're being grounded and you're drinking good water and you have a good outlook on the world or whatever. Just being around that person, that's therapy. You know, it doesn't always need to be like this panacea cure thing. Like it's recognizing like, who do I want to surround myself with? Who do you, know? you who do you like to surround yourself with? You guys. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, you know, people, people like you, you know, mm -hmm. so, so the people that I surround myself with mainly, um, since moving to Santa Monica specifically, are entrepreneurial type folks, people that think that they can change the world and they have the plan for it. Um, people that are, uh, they have to move. I shouldn't say they have to, it would be hard for me to be attracted to a woman with, if she doesn't move well. Mm. Right. And so I see that not just in a sense of like, you know, uh, not like if her hips don't swivel the right way. Yeah, it's not. It's no, no. So it's not. It's not just the same way. Yeah. No, seriously. Though, I think that's we're picking up on these subconscious cues from each other all the time. Oh, dude. Did oh, you, did I, I've said a million times on this show that my biggest turn on is watching a, a female mechanically squat like like yeah, really, right, really well exactly. is like a huge turn on. Yeah. So, so in order to do that real real pretty you know she can move really really well. Like yeah. that to me is like a a, a major turn. But did on. you know that they actually this is for reals again and you control can control yourself. You can look this up but they can actually <laughs> predict 
they can actually predict how easily a woman can achieve orgasm by how her hips swivel and move while she walks. And I believe the mm, more wow. the movement, the more orgasmic Excellent. she is. There's this adds a very strong correlation. Well, that makes that. mechanical sense, of yeah. course. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you hang out with entrepreneurs, uh, People who are also into ladies movement. that move well. Yeah, pretty much mover related people. So I hang out at this place called The Green in Santa Monica. Oh, okay. People might be familiar with, no. which is just like all the freaks come, and it's it's old it's old <laughs> it's old, right. mu- old do, muscle beat. Do you fit in? I fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like yeah, it's, it's uh, so I spend a lot of time there, and people are you know picking people up over each other's heads, and people are doing flips and turns, and then there's these rings that people travel across, uh, and you're like yeah, and it's slack lines, and just like. All this is fucking freaks. rad. It's rad. It's a really, really. Is it just a public no, thing or is it a public gym? Yeah. It's Santa Monica Beach, right? Santa Monica Beach. Have yeah. you been to that? Uh, yeah, you've seen it. I know you've I seen have. it. Yeah, you know, go on to. It's uh, not Venice Beach. Go to go to. Uh, uh, no, that's different. That's old, that's Muscle Beach. Yeah, that's old Muscle, muscle beach. beach, and then Muscle Beach is 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 okay. It's a little it's a little. Trashy. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, old Muscle Beach. That's where it's at. That's where Brendan Abadejo lives. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's okay. Got, his place is right down there, and you always see him doing stuff. Have you seen him do stuff on the yeah, bars? Yeah, yeah. And that's so where you're, that's at. So you just go out there and chill a lot with those people. Yeah, I mean, you can see my my Instagram. That's like pretty much ninety percent of the photos are just on Old Muscle Beach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Like, this is this is what's happening. I gotta troll you. I haven't yeah. trolled you yet. Isn't that funny that we stop? People stop playing as they become adults. I guess that's what you're doing, basically. Yeah. It's really no different. It and here's a lot of sense. here's what's that's funny. It, when point. you're when you're an adult, people are like, man, yeah. you're so you're so disciplined. You can't you recess anymore. You're exercising all the time when you're, they a, kid, think you're, when you're weird. a kid you're just fucking playing oh yeah yep. you know what i'm saying yeah. so now like, like we stopped doing that yeah that's, oh, that's, that sucks. that's the highest in my opinion one of the highest indications maybe the highest indication of creativity you know i once again maybe you guys agree maybe not but i feel like i can i can already tell the way someone's going to communicate i can already tell the way that they're going to think to a certain degree by watching them walk hmm. Right. And, you know, so if a person kind of has this hunchy, dumpy kind of, you know, collapsed type posture and movement pattern, I bet you that's going to tell a lot about their personality. So were you able to predict us pretty well? Because you saw us walk. And uh, now that you're listening to us ooh, and we're all hanging out, ooh. were you like, definitely? We're always I looking for got, reads. Huh? I think you guys fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. So I must have like a sexy walk or something. <laughs> it's very sexy. It's, very it's, stiff. Stiff. Yeah. it's a very stiff yeah. walk. It's but very, you know yeah. that. I mean, you can, so, so look at like look at like a traditional, like new agey hippie person. And they got mm-hmm. patch pants and dreadlocks or whatever. And, you know, they're super fluid, super open, do lots of yoga. Right. But they're never show up on time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and so that never show up on time component is instability in their feet and their knees and their shoulder girdle, right? So if you find someone that all of a sudden, okay, now let's go to a, an Olympic lifter, right? And he's, you know, he's whatever, he's Russian, raw, very, like very linear with the program and very mm-hmm. stacked, organized, everything on time. But Olympic lifting is the only thing that matters. Kettlebells is the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a very non fluid, has a lot of integrity with where they're at, but they're not fluid. They're not willing to bridge outside of that. Mm, interesting. And then everything in between. Interesting. What else? You gotta go in the middle, man. Yeah. I tell, this is cool. Yeah. Um, You're like a palm reader. <laughs> you know what? You know what's funny? So you're already in Santa Monica. You can be a fucking, you can be rich doing this. Yeah. Right. You open up a yeah. shop. Yeah. There you go. And you tell people, I'll tell you. Just have them walk down I'll, and back to I, like, you know, 20 yards. I'm a body reader. Yeah. And I'll tell you your future or whatever. And you basically, you're just telling them about themselves, which is what then you, you do. Then you can when just hit on people. Yeah. You, your yeah. body's a wonderland. You know, I, I feel like you're tense. And they'll be like, oh my God, how did you know? Yeah. 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 You have good orgasmic ability. Oh. I'm in the process of doing a, because so part of like my entrepreneur friends that kind of are like telling me what I'm supposed to do with my, you know, my business and all that mm-hmm. stuff. 
Um, one of the things that I'm going to do actually is come up with exactly that, you know, so being able to read your body type, how that relates to your personality and come up with like three or four different kind of archetypes that we fit into. See, that's like so viral. If you did that and you yeah. posted a meme on Facebook, everybody, stay would share tuned, stay tuned. everybody loves that. It's like coming soon. what your feet tell you about your personality. What kind of fingertips? I'm aggressive and yellow. What's your favorite color tells you about yourself? You know what I'm saying? But you're saying you think that there's an actual legit like this is a science 100%. should be studied. Yeah. Some of it, it definitely. is a science. And it is so I, yeah. I definitely I don't know if I necessarily and this is great because we can disagree right and have a good discussion. I don't necessarily fully agree with what you're saying, but I'll, but I definitely agree with, with some of what you're saying, because for sure you can see pretty outward expressions of things like depression, anger, joy, you know, happiness, contentment through. Uh, pride, for example, like through yeah. body positioning, yeah. like yeah. we've all seen that you know, a lot by posture. Yeah. You see sure. that like that 13, 14 year old kid with the freaking, you know, the emo haircut and it's covering yep. their face and yep. they're wearing dark clothes. Obviously there's some yeah. angst going on there. Right. Yeah. And then there's this universal, like you win a race or you win money or you did something. Amazing. I feel like all the in between is what's going to be so difficult. To, That's what I'm saying. So I don't know if you could go that far and be like, well, I can tell that you have gas you had bad breakfast this morning and your yeah. wife is not having, you know, yeah. but the fact that you can see polarized ends of the spectrum, that's the case with anything. Yeah, that helps. Right? So you just yeah. see. So, okay, the fact that we see polarized mm. ends of the spectrum mean that there is a midsection. Mm -hmm. It's just not as so obvious to see. It's very, but, very but if you start watching it and you start paying attention, all of a sudden it brings you in a little bit of, of, of the depth of the spectrum that you can see because mm. you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. Right. If you put language to it, you put awareness to it. All of a sudden, maybe you might see people that kind of get close to that middle. If you're always just completely unaware and that's hooey and nonsense, mm -hmm. you're probably a pretty insensitive now that, dude. Now that sounds very like cool a, to track. That sounds like a really cool uh, like thing you could do at a bar. You know what I mean? Always, yeah. Like you course. walk, like you, you know, you want to talk to a girl, you go up to her and you're like, hey, why are you, uh, why are you feeling like She's this right now? She's like, holy shit, well, how did you know? Your yeah. dad loves you. What is it? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. What's, what's a good poker player? That's all it is. A good uh, poker player is reading people's dude, body. Why don't you play 100%. poker? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to play poker. Were you good? Of course. I don't. I, I think I was fine. I don't know. I was. Oh, I okay. used to be really into it when I was. It was. It was younger days. It wasn't like it was a professional you thing. Like strip poker. You know, you'd be yeah. Yeah, I played a lot one. of strip poker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have why, a feeling you don't you mind, mind losing. Why did your mind go there? <laughs> because bodies. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you can read the body and yeah, I know I know what you're carrying in that. You, you, know what I mean? yeah, you lose on purpose, don't yeah. you? <laughs> when I'm winning, Oops, I'm naked. When I'm winning, I get to take my clothes off. I did the inversion. <laughs> <laughs> Do the opposite. <laughs> so what's what's really uh, like really interesting to you right now in the sphere of you know fitness and wellness that we all work in? I think that the power of play and getting to that point of uh, improvisation with your movement is probably the most fascinating thing for me, you know, and again, the, the, the connection between how that affects your emotions, your personality, all, all that stuff. But even just getting outside of the box of, I need to do these specific movement patterns because that's what men's health or fitness or whatever mm -hmm. told me to do and getting to the point of like, I'm really feeling today like a run up the hill with a backpack and then a swim in the cold water and then a I'm gonna do some squat stuff and work on my lunge mobility and then I'm going to go to a dance class and then maybe I'll do, you know, martial arts stuff tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. You know, or just I, I you have enough sensitivity in your body to know as opposed to doing a, a yoga class, you just 
start to kind of become yoga in the sense that, you know, yoga means yoke or union or integration, right? So if you can continually be thinking about how do I stack up my parts just as I'm sitting, you know, here right now, then I think that that creates more momentum than anything else that I've found. So you, so this sounds to me like you're trying to explain or you're explaining uh, what the true definition of what intuitive exercise really is like that level of awareness where mm-hmm. you know what to do. It's also move. what we talk about on the show all the time. A little yeah. bit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you follow any type of programming mm-hmm. or are you more like, I'm going to go it in. It feels like parkour would be kind of a good fit, you know, from a lot of what you're describing, but like yeah, just the creative cool. movement process. But I could that. see parkour also being sometimes not right for your body, right? It could yeah. also be a thing. So, I mean, do you, do you do that? Do you check in and say, I want to do this because this is what I need right now? Or do you have a structure? Sometimes I have structure. It depends on what I want. You know, if I want like a front lever on rings, then I'm going to have to freaking practice front levers. Mm-hmm. It's going to suck. Yeah. Right. You know, so there are certain things, where, but you can get to the point. I think if you can become fascinated enough with your, just the, the feeling of challenging yourself or the feeling of having a body moving, you know, which this is why I think things like ayahuasca or, you know, psychoactive stuff is kind of cool in a sense for depending upon the person, because sometimes it, it changes your perspective on what it means to move. Just the fact that we freaking have bodies is unbelievable, Mm. right? We could all be quadriplegic right now, Yeah, you know? And the fact that you have all this wacky movement in your body, it's like, Oh, like explore that thing. You asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. Touch it. Take it for a ride. Lock yourself in the room. It it is crazy when you think about that. You know, I, I remember, I remember the moment where, um, I realized how much I had lost in, in a short period of time when, uh, I couldn't get down and do a pistol squat. Now my first like five to 10 years as a trainer, um, I was heavily into mobility and I did all kinds of crazy stuff. And we used to goof around and balance a medicine ball on a BOSU ball and do a pistol squat and do just crazy, fun, challenging stuff like all the trainers did it in the gym. And I remember kind of transitioning out of that, getting into heavier lifting and then kind of going down to bodybuilding road, the road for a while. And then I remember one night, uh, you know, Katrina had mentioned uh, seeing somebody do like some pistol squat thing. And I was like, oh, my God, I used to bounce on the ball. I do this, that. And I jumped out of bed real quick to like show off. And like it just I was the connection wasn't there. And, it, and I was like, whoa. Like just because I hadn't it had been long enough now that I hadn't done that that I had lost that connection to that range of motion. And I was like, it was, it was this huge, like wake up for me, like, whoa. And this is what happens to all these people is we get in this daily grind of sitting in your car, driving to work, sit at your desk, you know, maybe get up and go for a walk for a little bit at best. And then you get back in your car, drive back home, sit at your house, have mm-hmm. dinner, sit down at your couch, watch TV. Like, and like you do that for years and years and years. And it's like, you just totally shut down like half your body. Like yeah. you're not even, you're not even 50 yet. And you've already shut down half of your body. Like, holy fuck. You've turned into the chair. Yeah. We had this discussion yesterday where, you know, especially in Western societies, uh, most people over the age of 25 can't sit in a squat. Most like I could go outside and randomly pick 50 people and I bet you maybe one hmm. will be able to sit in a squat. 
And that is a fundamental yeah, that's crazy. human movement that we're designed to do. Like that's how we pooped and that's how we had children. We sat in a squat. That's how we did that's how stuff. We rested. On, that's how we got stuff yeah. on the ground. Yeah. You know, that's why it's uncomfortable to get on your knees and do shit or bend over and while your low back hurts because the way we used to do it, what we're designed to do it, is to sit in a squat. Yeah. And then the issue with uh, that idea is it puts a lot of people, you know, maybe listening or watching or whatever in a place of like, okay, for me to be normal, I need to squat. So I'm going to start squatting in these horrible, horrible yeah. ways, yeah. you know, and so and adding it's a bunch of load to it. Right. right. And then now, right now I'm going to load it up and now I'm going to put it up on Instagram and I'm going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know? And that's, it's not sustainable, you know? So if you can get down to these, these, these functional foundational patterns, right. If you can get into the, the, those foundational movements from there, you can build, right. But just like any time you're building a house, you need to have that frame to support it on. Right. But just going up and doing the handstand or doing the deep squat doesn't really mean anything, right? It only means something when you achieve union, integration, mm -hmm. yoke, yoga, right? I'm not saying, I'm, I'm only saying yo yoga in the sense of like literal, the literal meaning of the word. I'm mm -hmm. not saying yoga classes. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it would be like taking a child who doesn't know how to walk and then like throwing them on a track, like run, you know, <laughs> right. like it, it's not going to happen. Right. The kid, the baby needs to learn how to like drag him, drag himself and then crawl and then, you know, wobble and hold on to things. And it's a whole process. So yeah, if you're listening right now and you yeah, can't that's sit, illegal. and you can't <laughs> sit in a squat, don't go try sitting in a squat and don't try going, you know, doing all these yeah. heavy squat movements. Like First, learn how to drag yourself across the floor, like practice one leg at a time and, sure. you know, practice, you know, slightly lower depth than you're comfortable with and practice that. But and get it takes a long time. Get a coach. Get, a get coach. someone that's going through the path. Get yeah. someone that's that's made the mistakes. Get someone that's blown out their knee and their back and all that, you know, and they're like, no, this yeah. is really know all the details. Yeah, yeah this <laughs> is really what you don't yeah. want to do. That's yeah. a good point. You know, so someone that has that rough road, like Joe Campbell said something like, you know, you, you need to go into the fire to pull out the treasure. Mm -hmm. You know, again, that's paraphrase, not exactly that, mm -hmm. but someone that's experienced some fire and now they're doing all right. Those are the ones that I give the most credit. Yeah. Right. Someone yeah, that's just sure. always, everything's just always been all righty. They might not know how to explain it. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. when I, I do interviews with like serious high level athletes, they don't really have anything to say. Oh yeah, they're, they're boring <laughs> as hell. Yeah. It's like, well, I just kind of like. Well, I was you know, awesome my whole life. And I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, you yeah. know, it's crazy though. Do you yeah. know that with, and you know, if you actually do train uh, a lot of athletes, you know that it's there's some of the most dysfunctional. Yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. just so genetically gifted that they've learned to use their body on leverage, you know, despite it, you know, yeah. and still they optimize their compensating. Yeah, they're actually yeah. The, the, they can they can compensate better than any. That's yeah. why they're so that's good it. at what they do. Yeah. Have you ever seen like you want to talk about dysfunction and you I'll tell you what, pause this podcast and Google pro basketball players feet. Just look at the feet of pro basketball players. They are the most messed up looking feet, dysfunctional looking feet you've ever seen in your life. Now, this isn't because they play basketball. It wasn't the basketball that caused this. It's because these are giant human beings who were probably giant children, who many of which probably couldn't afford to get specially made shoes. And they've got these, their feet grew in these tight spaces because all these, these are massive men, right? And so they've got these very dysfunctional feet, yet they run and jump and do all these incredible movements. What looks like amazing, right? 
incredible compensators, yeah. horrible yeah, dysfunction. Which is why most see. of them end up having hip surgery, knee surgery. I mean, yeah. I mean, they always are pretty much messed up, guaranteed to be messed up. It's it's wild to see that. And well, when you think about it with sports too, you you do this. I mean, God, to be elite, you had to have practiced hundreds and probably thousands of hours mm-hmm. to get good at your craft. And it's a repetitive motion that is not normally uh, equal. You know, so you're going to end up definitely building some imbalance and you're going to be really good at those imbalances. So most of them do. They have a, just a really hard time communicating because they, they don't fully understand uh, and they think that they're in really good shape. They you, don't realize how... You yeah. ever train a pitcher, you know, who's been pitching for oh, years? Yeah, yeah, no, oh, for sure. I mean, they, in, uh, they, they, they did some... Some archaeologists discovered this like bar- Roman burial ground for soldiers, I think somewhere of in, the in, long in, in England. Yeah. yeah, and these were the... They, the what they found were long bowmen, you know, and uh, they these were specialized, you know... Uh, artillery men, if you will, who use these extremely heavy and tight bows to shoot these long arrows. And it was the size of their whole body. It was devastating uh, military technology at the time because it shot at such large distances, but it required something like 150 pounds uh, uh, to pull this bow all the way back. So these men were trained as children. And the the reason why they knew that they were long bowmen was their spines were twisted and formed. They had a very thick you know, right arm overly bone. Overly developed, yeah. Overly, their scapula was shaped a different way because their bodies literally turned into this movement and that's how they knew and that's what happened. The same thing came up since the introduction of uh, porn tube. If you view uh, pornography in relation to that, no, that's a joke. I'm like, well, I, need, I needed the hand gesture. Well, I was I like, I'm pretty that. sure we know all these studies. <laughs> I didn't do the hand gesture. I don't gesture. remember that one. Uh, yeah. I should have done the hand gesture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 10,000 years ago, they're going to be, be like, quicker next time. 10,000 years ago, they'll be like, this looks like a 16 year old boy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he was in his room. <laughs> How do you know? Look at the size of the digits Man, on his, his forearms are huge. <laughs> that's yeah. incredible density uh, of those bones there. Yeah, he lost all his hair. Excellent. Yeah. Well, hey, man. Thanks for coming down and talking to us. Yeah, brother. dude. What a what a good time. Fun, for sure. It's been awesome. I don't know if you do a sign off on your show if you want to do one, but I can do one if you don't. Um. Well, where do people find you and learn more about what you're? So everything? our podcast is on iTunes. It's Mind Pump. Uh, our site is mindpumpmedia.com, and on there we have thirty days of coaching that we offer, and it's free. And basically, what it is is it's a ton of information on. 30 of the topics that we think uh, are essential to learn about. So, you know, everything that's, you know, stuff that's basic, like macronutrients, proteins, fats, carbohydrates, and we go into more, you know, uh, complex subjects like wellness, meditation. And then what we do is we take, because we've recorded actually over 500 episodes. So we have a ton of information out there. And what we do is we'll take the episodes where we talk about that particular subject in detail and we timestamp it and we include it in their email. So, if they look up and there's like meditation and then we've written some stuff that they can learn about, but then they can learn, listen to the five episodes where we talk about meditation in different contexts and they know when to do it. So that would be one of the best things I would recommend to people. Cool. So check that out. Yes. Thanks, Aaron. You're a Sweet. cool guy. Very interesting guy. Thanks for yeah. coming on. Yeah. Cool. Thanks Appreciate so much, it. Guys. Oh, I got cool. a pee. Me too. Yeah. So bad. Oh, boy. Oh, that's why I stopped it. I'm- 
Wine Podcast. Thank you once again for uh, for Sigmatic for supporting this podcast and for bringing such a radical product to the world. Uh, I utilize the cordyceps and lion's mane before any workout movement session that I do. Uh, chaga mushrooms every morning as I'm traveling. I always bring along some type of mushroom bl- blend for immune support and just overall vitality. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Tim Ferriss has been loving that. Sean Stevenson, I believe, from the Model Health Show as well has been getting down on those. Um, so they are spreading like wildfire and I highly recommend you checking them out. Um, jump on to foursigmatic.com slash align for 10% off of your purchase. I can't re- recommend it more. Uh, foursigmatic.com slash align. F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash align and you will get 10% off of any purchase from Four Sigmatic. Thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast. If you guys want to show some support, show some love for what we're doing here, um, you can jump on the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. And then from there, a uh, couple things you can do. One of which you could actually donate through Patreon. There's a link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Uh, you can utilize the Amazon affiliate link. Uh, anytime you or anybody you know buy some crap on Amazon, please and thank you. Bookmark that link. Every time you do it, we get something like 7% of your purchase and it helps support this show. It is awesome. So great. As well, something you could do that is ultra helpful. If you or anybody that you know has ears and likes books, uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash align. And then from there, that is, uh, you get a free audio book from Audible. They have something like, I don't know, a bajillion different titles to choose from. Uh, one that I would recommend that I got from them was Shantaram. I, it's a huge book and, uh, again, all free, no matter what size the book you get. And that got me through, I listened to that as I was traveling through Morocco and, uh, just really, really amazing website, uh, amazing service. Couldn't recommend it more. And, uh, it kicks us down some scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing costs you absolutely nothing and you get a free audiobook and you support the show boom um thanks so much for reviews on itunes that's greatly appreciated and thanks just in general for listening thanks for supporting thanks for for spreading the word all right i can't express enough how much i appreciate all that if you guys ever have any questions or comments you feel free to email me directly at aaron at aligntherapy.com and i would love to talk all right see you guys Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.